the stars are out, the red carpet has been laying, and this is the night legends will be made. Welcome everyone to the third annual Juby Awards, presented by Jubilee Street, presented by Goodyear Tires, presented by Ian McCurtis, presented by Jake Curtis, presented by Taco Bell, presented by Buffy the HR Dog, presented by Blue the Intern Dog, presented by Penguin Books, presented by Fender Amps. And with that, I want to welcome everyone. Jake, how are you doing tonight? Ian, I'm doing fabulous, just standing out here on the red carpet. Oh, man, it's been a wonderful, wonderful Jubies pre-show. Um, we just finished up a call with the one and only Courtney Baby Award McGowan. Uh, she called in. Uh, we were, of course, off mic. We do not have patrons yet, but if uh, that audio footage ever surfaces, it's going to be not good for the podcast. We'll just say this much. But I am Well, this here. is my favorite time of the year because it's when we get all the free stuff from people trying to bribe us. I know. I know. We got uh, Beyonce's people have been hitting us up to, you know, include her record on our jubies. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. A lot of happen. Red Lobster gift cards. A lot of Red Lobster gift cards. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I've been looking forward to this. Like, uh, you know, you were feeling a little under the weather last week, so we postponed to... Today we're recording this on December 29th, and it gave me an extra week to kind of fine-tune my list, and I think I've got a couple of couple of surprises, but I think, you know, we've talked a lot about what we like on this podcast already, so people are probably going to know what to expect. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. You know, Blue's taking notes. Buffy's here with us live in on the red carpet as we walk into the illustrious Juby Theater that was just constructed in our honor. Um, thank you to our, you know, uh, anyone who has been supporting us in the Discord channel. All of your support has been good enough for us to build a theater like Babs Bunny did in um, Tiny Tunes. And if we built it, you will come. And thank you to the city of Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> took the words right out of my, you took the woods right out of my mouth, okay? Uh, I don't know what accent I was doing there, but Ian, um... Do you got any stray thoughts before we get into our list? We're doing, we're each, we've got 10 albums each that we're going to talk about. A couple that we agree on, a couple we disagree on. A couple we both have on our list in different positions. So, it's, so what do you want, what do you got to say? I, I don't have any stray thoughts, but I have thoughts. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you've listened to the first two years, you know how this goes. A, a brief recap, our first year of the podcast, 2020, Jake gave his album of the year to Dominique Dumont for People on Sunday. That was my album of the year? Nice. It was. I listened to it a few days ago. A great album that I'm, I'm really glad Jake... A complete surprise. I'd never heard of it until he gave it to the number one spot. And a really lovely album. I'm glad to have in my life. I gave number one to Adrian Linker for songs. And then last year, there was the joint number one winner, oh. which went to Tyler, the creator, for Call Me If You Get Lost. Call Me If You Get Lost. That was such a barn burner of an episode. And we'll see how it goes this year. We, Who knows? You know what, Ian? We shall see. We shall see how it goes. You have any any um, big picture thoughts about this year, the music this year? Well, I, I think that 2022 was like the best year of music we've had in quite some time, you know, uh, considering, you know, I feel like we got a lot of good stuff during the pandemic and before it, but I just feel like 
It wasn't too difficult to nail down my decisions. I was definitely hoping for a new Frank album to come out this year, which I'm sure would have made the list if it did. But I feel like we got everything we wanted and then some, you know? The thing I noticed when looking at both our lists and even like honorable mentions, I have, I made a top 20, which I didn't, you can't see the rest of them, but I got them here next to me. And I mean, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't censor what I listen to. I just, I just come across music when I come across it. But out of all the albums we have listed, there might be two or three out of like 30 or 40 that are made by straight American white guys. This has been a trend in music, you know, the past decade, if not longer. But I think, real, I, I, I don't want to say like, you know, the privilege of white men is over or anything, because that's definitely not the case. But it, it's really cool how many different voices you're seeing in music. I think if you look at any top, you know, album list of any publication, Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, whatever it might be, uh, there's there's a more variety of voices than ever, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think as far as like how many different like to to go off what you said about voices like you know country I think is finally established established itself as like a mainstream genre and something that kind of crosses over into other genres like um you know I've heard people kind of compare that new Viagra Boys record to having kind of a country twang to it at times and whether that's like the frontman's like influence or somebody else in the band but you know Country is is like back in a big way. I think it's more popular than it's ever been. And at least with like audiences that probably used to say things like, oh, well, I listen to everything except for country, you know? Yeah, I mean, it comes in waves. Like you had the late 90s, early 2000s wave of like indie rock with like Wilco and Drive-By Truckers. Sure. And now it's sort of, I think, honestly, Lil Nas X busted it open and you're kind of seeing it again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, you know... I, it was a lot of, there were a lot of breakout years or this was like a breakout year for certain artists like Sudan archives. I think she had always kind of been, you know, floating around the scene and, um, natural Brown prom queen, her album that came out in 2022, you know, definitely, I think kind of launched her into a different stratosphere of like fame. And then Viagra boys, I think Cave World was super well received. There was definitely like a resurgence of, or not a resurgence, but a surge of like new-ish artists like kind of getting some notoriety, which is cool. And then there's even like smaller acts or, you know, that new off record I, I was talking about with you this week before we started recording, you know, totally out of left field for me. I don't know much about Keith Morris. I, I didn't really grow up listening to Circle Jerks or Black Flag. Oh, wait, was it Black Flag he was in? Mm-hmm. And um, so... You know, hearing that off record, uh, Free LSD, for those who are wondering which album, fantastic record. I mean, it was awesome. And it really scratched that itch I had after we covered Bad Religion this summer. So there was a lot of stuff that kind of just came out of nowhere for me. And a lot of it was really good. You know, I, I, I could go on and on. So it was a great year. I really think this year was the most exciting for music in a lot of ways because we're really just in this age where there's so much of it. And there's so much of it that's just Kind of like always, like music is kind of always good now. I think it's hard to find bad music. I agree with you. This is my favorite year for music in a while. Like a lot of the albums last year wouldn't have even made, you know, this list year was, this year was just so good. And then, you know, um, 
you dropped your two releases this year. You had an album and then a single that you released that were both really great and well received Thank by you. like some some of the local music critics. And you know, I wanted to give you a quick shout out there. It was a great, you know, I know you work really hard on that stuff and it means a lot to you and you put yourself out there. So wanna make sure you get some credit there. And, you know, I'm sure I speak for the other listeners when I say I can't wait to hear what you do next. And then I believe our friends in Pleasures of the Flesh put out a small little EP this year that was awesome. Was it an EP or a single? I think it was an EP. Uh, I think I think it was one. I think it was two songs. I think it was a single. In the so same way my release Organs was, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was a double. So, you know, friends of mine have been putting out cool stuff. I, I I think that that's worth celebrating too. Their their music was just kind of flourishing this year. So the producers are telling us to to get on with it. So I, I propose this to you, Jake. I think usually we do honorable mentions at the end. Let's do that at the beginning. How do you feel about that? And then when we get to number one, mm-hmm. that that album can just fully have the shine. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, let me get my list pulled up. And why don't you start us off with your honorable mentions? Okay, so these are some albums that I wanted to include that just didn't make the cut. So we have a, a little group of, of long-running bands that I think like really came back this year. Death Cab for Cutie, Asphalt Meadows, Regina Spector, Home Before and After, Always put out their new record. And then uh, I want to shout out Tim Heidecker, High School. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. just listened to that a couple days ago. I thought it was great. S.G. Goodman. You were someone I loved, Mama, household name. The special edition of the new Denzel Curry album, where the it has the jazzy beats with the live band, mm-hmm. so much better. Special interest in Door, and MJ Linderman boat songs. Ooh. All of you all almost made the cut. Better luck next time, the Lind- J- J- J.D. Linderman. But but I do I have a you know I have a Spotify list where I put all the new albums I like on it every year. And I probably had like 50 albums this year. So even making the honorable mentions is a pretty, something to be proud of, guys. You should post that in our Discord channel so people can see that. Maybe I will. For those who uh, are curious, what's a Discord channel? The Jubies are not sponsored by Discord, but we do have a handmade banner that the uh, dog interns put together for us. It's not spelled very well, but if you want to check out our Discord channel, it's in our Instagram link, link in our bio. Go to our Instagram page, click on that. It'll take you to an invite to join our Discord where we have all kinds of discussions. I share updates of, you know, what might be coming out in new episodes, give you a little teaser for covering like Nick Cave stuff or whatever, you know, content we've got coming down the pipeline. So check that out. Um, My honorable mentions are something I mentioned earlier. Uh, Free LSD by Off, uh, Bronco by Orville Peck, It's Almost Dry by Pusha T, Skinty Fia by Fontaine's DC, Get Wet, Get Wet FM by Z Loopers, Fade by Boris, which was a pretty late year release, the self-titled Mars Volta album. I considered it kind of a comeback. Not enough people are talking about that record. I think it's really good, super groovy. This one was a hard one to put on the up and coming or, or the uh, honorable mention, sorry. Um, Cheat Codes with Danger Mouse and Black Thought. I think it's an incredible record. Awesome features across that thing. Obama. Uh, co-signed by Obama. Co-signed by Obama. He actually called me. He said, Jake, 
Slow your list. On his uh, favorite songs of the year, he had the the one with MF Doom. Yes, yeah, and and I think that song's called Belize, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, somebody who usually makes my top ten did not make it this year, but I really liked their album. I'm talking about uh, Don FM by The Weeknd. Probably my favorite of his albums that he's done. Um, they continue to get a little bit more conceptual, a little less mainstream sounding, but still have that very like, you know, sort of addictive earworm quality that you want in his songs. And then finally, got a contentious choice here. Something that we might see later on in the episode with Ian, but no promises. I'm talking about Capper songs by FKA Twigs. There are, are a handful of songs on this record that I really love. And a lot of the album did not immediately click for me when we first listened to it back in the year. And I didn't really f- ever much feel like returning to the album as a whole. But maybe I'll be sweet. We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll show up on your list. Who knows? Um, I love that album. I, I knew Jake was going to list those, so I didn't have them in my honorable mentions. I co-signed all those except for Don FM. Um, other ones that I listened to that I liked but were... You know, not quite up there. Uh, the new Shilpa Ray, Portrait of a Lady. I really like the album cover. I thought the songs were great. I first learned about her this year. So check out that episode we did um, on Shilpa Ray. She is an incredible musician, um, but there was just a lot of really strong contenders this year. So um, I did want to give her a special shout out because we do love her on the podcast and we're big fans of her. So yeah, those are my honorable mentions. All right, so it's time to dive in what everyone's been waiting for. The Jubies Top 10 Albums of the Year. Jake, you want to you start it off? Yeah, I'm going to do a song. You're going to do a song? Like you're going to perform a song? Yeah, I just improv a little beat there for you. Okay, I'm starting it off at number 10. You've got your favorite co-host, Jake. I'm starting off with a bang. This is a late year, out of nowhere, a new challenger approaches kind of situation. I felt like I knew what I, my top 10 was going to be. And then SZA comes out with SOS. And when it came out, I was like, this album's so long. There's over 20 tracks. And it was a great album. It's transcendental moments embracing weird genres that aren't seen in hip-hop, R&B, you know, music like she usually does. You know, there's like a straight-up pop-punk song on here. And I don't know, like, a lot of it just kept growing on me and growing on me. So there's usually a couple records that make my Jubies list that do have a little bit of recency bias. I accept that as a reality here, but... I just feel like there's something special about this album, the way she interweaves like poetic, you know, real, honest descriptions of love and wanting to be loved, but like not being receptive to the kinds of love that she should want. And, you know, standout track for sure is Blind. I mean, that is like fucking fodder to me. Like I will just come to the trough time and time again to listen to that. Um, didn't really like the Phoebe Bridgers song at first, but, uh, on a second or third listen, I was like, oh shit, this song fucking, it's awesome. So I don't have like 
an incredible amount to say after that, but I love the album cover. The features that she does have on the record are great, except I, th I think there's a couple that are just like, like I think the Travis Scott one's awesome. The Phoebe Bridgers one's awesome. The ODB one's cool. I didn't find it to be like, you know, the best part of the record, but I think it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you get a little bit of cred for featuring ODB. Like that's, he's just, you know, he's the OG. So that's my number 10. This is SOS. It's easy one. Easy 10. It was a lot. Back? It was a lot higher on my list last night. And I just kept thinking about it. And I was like, you gotta, you gotta give those higher spots to bands that have you've been listening to throughout the year, you know? Like, but I don't wanna just write off the the like the, it'd be so easy to just leave off the, all the bands that release stuff in the last month of the year. And I tried to keep some recent stuff on there too. Yeah, it's hard for those December albums. I'm glad we do this at the actual end of the year though, because a lot of people weren't able to have Sizz on there at all, you know? Very true. Very true. Number 10 for me, we're going down to New Zealand for the, a Kiwi band called Kiwis? Kiwi? Is Kiwi plural? I don't know. The best. The best. Expert in a dying field. I think this one hit me similar to what Jake's talking about with SZA, where So this came out in September, but... It just kind of wormed its way in. Every week or two, I found myself listening to it. And then now we here, here we are at the end of December. And I was like, I didn't think this album was like... It's special, but not in the way a lot of my other albums are, where I think they're like these huge achievements. This is just a solid, like, power pop record in the vein of, like, the Cars or Cheap Trick, like, harmonies and... Big choruses, and it reminds me a lot of the popular bands that do well at the Fest in Gainesville. It's got this youthful energy. And I just kept listening to it over and over again. And then I was like, I, I need to put it somewhere on this list because I've spent a lot of time with it. I, I would recommend the song uh, Silence is Golden. I think that's my favorite one. A lot of really good riffs, reminiscent of the Buzzcocks to me. Just great. Oh, power pop earworms. Okay, you you sold me with the Buzzcocks reference. I, I think I'll check him out. The Buzzcocks did the uh, so why can't I touch it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That sounds awesome. You, you said they're a relatively young band too. Like they've got like a, or is it just this like is their the third album? Okay, that's awesome. And did you find out about it like through your usual channels, like our indie heads, or did it just kind of, you know, pop up one I day? I think they're friends with, I don't know if you remember the band, the Smith Street Band from Australia. Like, a, honestly, they sound very much alike. I, I think they're friends with Smith Street Band, or at least they get lumped in together because they're from the same part of the world. Okay, I see. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've heard of the band, but it doesn't, like, that's definitely kind of an outsider pick for me. Like I, I hadn't, um, I hadn't heard of that until I saw your list earlier. So yeah, that's number ten. Number nine. Moving right along. Number nine. Hard choice. I had two albums in this spot. One of them was moved to the honorable mentions. The other one is my number nine choice, which is God's Country by Chat Pile. Chat Pile is a brutal sludgy, noisy, scary, 
band. Their lyrics just, you just feel the lacerations coming upon as those crunchy riffs and fat bass just roar through your ears. I heard this album, the first song I heard was Why. Ian shared it in our group chat, and I was like, this is kind of weird because the vocals are not as intense as the music. Like they, they're, it's more like yelling. It's not really like screaming. You would hear, you would think you'd hear more screaming or yelping kind of more like, but it's their, their front man is just like going, just going for it. And he's like, they just craft these pictures of complete despair and sadness and like the disparity and the, 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 the just total juxtaposition of you know, what our world is, you know? And the album cover, again, is really effective in setting that tone immediately. It's just like a fucking power generator in a building. And it's just, we just live in this like unnatural, frightening, dangerous world where we're just expected to look past things because, you know, it's become normalized to not care about your fellow human being. These are all the themes that Chat Pile talks about on their records, or on this record. I'm sorry. Again, I I was I was I was unsure if I wanted to list this one. I wasn't sure if it was going to be top ten material, but I mean, I can't believe I even had a second thought. Like, I I think this album is brilliant. Um, my favorite songs are Why, um, Slaughterhouse, Pamela, Tropical Beaches, Ink, and then the final fucking scorcher of a song, Grimace Smoking Weed, Dot JPEG. Song title, just like uncomfortable to listen to at times, but we talk about this on the podcast from time to time. But I think because I I thought a lot about how like my upbringing has impacted the way I view art, and I am attracted to frightening things because I think I wasn't ever really put into a position where I really had to survive or like fight for anything. I was very much like you know just go to school, play video games, learn how to play guitar, you know, play music go to college, like the, my path was kind of set in front of me and it, 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 it warps your brain in a way, I think, where you just, you just crave brutality and extremity and you just like want to question things. And I think that like the way that they tackle like topics like homelessness, it's, it's all really interesting and I don't really feel like there's a lot of bands talking about that. So I would definitely support them. Special shout outs to Raygun Bush, known as uh, Randy Heyer. He's the vocalist. Um, Luther Manhole slash Griff S as the guitarist. Sten, Austin Tackett on bass, and Cap'n Ron slash Aaron Tackett on drums. Support these guys. This is really good stuff. I haven't heard anything like it. It's special, and it might make you feel kind of weird afterwards, but you'll be headbanging for years to come. So my number nine, God's Country, Chat Pile. Yeah, if you're a noise rock fan, if you like the Last Daughters album, if you're into the Jesus Lizard, this is going to be right up your alley. It's funny. I watched Needle Drop's review of this a couple days ago, and the first comment was, finally we have something to help us forget about Daughters, because I guess there was like a, some kind of controversy with controversy with their lead singer and Lingua Ignota, so... Awesome to you know. It's always something. Yeah, Lingua Ignota, another one. If you're in, if you're into her, you will like this. Yeah, her shit's even brutal, more brutal than this. She goes fucking hard. 
All right, Ian, what's your number nine? Number nine for me is Planes I Walked With You Always, a band I've, I've mentioned a few times over the year on the podcast. Speak on it. I saw them in I saw them in DC. The single, the first single from this album, Problem With It, was the song I listened to the most this year. Waxahachie was the artist I probably listened to the most this year. Planes is uh, her, Katie Crutchfield, as well as another solo artist, Jess Williamson. It's a super group of sorts, reminiscent of Shania Twain, Dixie Chicks, 90s country, very poppy, very, uh, I, I don't know what the word is, diva almost, like just very like big and dramatic. Um, this is them kind of having fun, a little less serious than I'd say their other, their other work is. Um, yeah, I don't think this, this quite reaches the heights of Waxahachie's other albums, but it's still better than almost everything else so yeah planes i walked with you a ways and also on our call with courtney earlier she wanted to give this her pick for jubie of the year yes and courtney's choice is the most important so regardless of what we say courtney will her out her this is this this is the album of the year even though i've never heard it i gotta listen to it this New York, this New York woman who hated country now picked a country album for album of the year. Listen, you know what? When you grow up listening to Modest Mouse and eating Taco Bell, it's, it's, you're gonna have a hard time. I would say big country influence in Modest Mouse. You think so? Without a doubt. Hot take alert. That's not a hot take. He fucking plays a banjo. <laughs> I wish you could hear these sound effects I'm putting in. <laughs> You'll hear him soon. Um, all right. We ready to go to number eight? Mm-hmm. My number eight choice, you know, I always brings Daruckus, Larry. We do the Jubies because I have to put an ambient album on here. And this year's is going to be Whatever the Weather's self-titled record. It is a nice mixture of some kind of trippy hip-hop beats, ambient, Trippy bite, trippy hip hip hop beats, hippie to hobbity hip. And I don't have, like, it's hard to talk about music like this. It's very melancholy. Mm-hmm. It's very beautiful. I had a very strong emotional reaction to the tones and the sounds that are going on here. And the person behind this music, their name is Lorraine James. And Lorraine has been working in music for a while before going under the moniker of whatever the weather. Um, I, f- I use this website bleep.com to find electronic music as I've gotten more and more into electronic stuff. I go there sometimes if I'm feeling a little stagnant. And I saw the cover for her record. Again, I am just, I'm just a kid in a candy shop. You know, I'll go for the shiniest lollipop and, you know... That's when I see a good album cover, I'll check it out. It had some Tim Hecker vibes and, you know, I just dug it. That's all I can say. Check it out. It's awesome. Put it on while you're driving, put it on while you're trying to go to sleep, while you're studying, while you're working on your art, you know, if you're a writer or a painter, whatever you do. And I just can't recommend it enough. And Lorraine is a really talented producer. So support them. Get this album. Listen to it. It's great. Whatever the weather, self-titled. Check it out. This is the only record on your list that I haven't listened to the whole thing. You sent it to me and I listened to about half and then I kind of just forgot about it. I really liked it though. I really like the 
the way it bounces back and forth between two styles. I have a sort of a sister album to this later on my list. Yes, yes. I think that's like it, it bounces around. There's a couple different styles, but it all sort of falls under a very kind of, like I said, melancholic kind of, you know, ponderous theme. So, yeah, that's my bring into ruckus. I, I love this kind of music, and I, I, listen, I listen to it more and more the older I get. I definitely, now that you put it back in my memory, I'm going to put it on again and listen to the whole thing. Well, you're. I really had a great time with Dominique Dumont the other day. You're you're really good at um I have a hard time listening to music while I'm working. I, I feel like I can't focus on it as well, so I end up going more towards like YouTube videos or like TV shows to put on in the background because I don't have to 100% pay attention to it. And I think that this will be really good for you to listen to while you're working one day and it'll click for you. Our brains are just different. No, it clicked for me the first time. I just, you know, there's so much stuff to listen to. I just forgot about it. I, I I loved it. I forgot uh, to time. mention Lorraine James is British. That's yeah, it. Our brains just work different because I can't I can't watch a TV show while I'm working because I feel like I have to give it my whole attention. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I end up rewatching shit though. You know, because like I watched a lot of The Sopranos for like the second or third time through while I was like while I was working, so I didn't catch every little thing. So that's why. I end up rewatching shit all the time. <laughs> Number eight for me, Jake has already kind of queued it up for me. It is Chilperay Portrait of a Lady. Speak on it. We did an episode on her last album, Door Girl, uh, over the summer. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe earlier in that. This came out in April, and I maybe we did around the time this album came out. Either way, um, this is more of the same from Chilperay. This this is an album. Uh, a sort of confrontational album about people like me and you, about white dudes in the punk world, about liberals, about uh, just people that sometimes don't like to look in the mirror themselves. And and I love it. I'm, I think that punk needs more of this. It needs more of self-reflection and more of people being antagonistic towards themselves towards people like them. I mean, just these, so- these song titles, Straight Man's Dream, Heteronormative, Horseshit Blues, Manic Pixie Dream Cunt, Bootlickers of the Patriarchy, Male Feminist, probably my <laughs> favorite song. Male Feminist, that's a good one. This is a great album. Chilperay should be way more recognized than she is. I keep waiting for her to explode. Maybe she doesn't want to, I don't know, but I think she is one of the best artists we have today. Also, another amazing album cover. It's her, like, you know, kind of doing like a Marilyn Monroe thing. Looks, but she's like crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got Good. the blonde hair. I thought the same thing. They're very Marilyn Monroe. Good shit. Good shit. And, and very. This continues that, the vibe of like, kind of like the, the last album. There's a lot of genre hopping, a lot of, you know, her voice calls to mind people of Marilyn Monroe's era, like 50s, 60s singers. Oh, she's but got an amazing voice. New wave on here. There's. Punk again. There's Lana Del Rey type stuff. It's got everything. Ian, can I ask you? It's a little bit off topic, but you mentioned it. Where do you stand on Lana Del Rey? Do you like her? You like her music? I like. I would say I really like about half her music. I really like what she does, though. I mean, I, I would consider myself a fan. I don't know where. I don't. It's it's never clicked for me. I don't know why. I think it's good when I hear it, but I I feel like it's not something I end up coming back to. 
I like it a lot. The, I mean, I still think her first big song, Video Games, is her best song. But I think that Norman fucking Rockwell album is her best album. Yeah. I know how much you dug that. Mariner's Apartment Complex. Mm-hmm. All right. Sublime cover that was way better than it had any right to be. <laughs> uh, you remember better than me, clearly. Okay, so my number seven, another, I think, controversial record, or is it? It was pretty, I feel like it made a lot of indie your lists. I mean, how could it not? It's Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale, and the Big Steppers. It's a weird one for me. This is the, besides... Hello, new world. All the boys and girls. I got some new stories to tell. The more I think about this album, I think about what it says about the time it was released, the time before it was released, and what will happen in the time frame from its release. And I think about how Kendrick will change from this album, what he learned from this album, what we learned from his album, what we enjoyed about it, what we didn't enjoy about it. And I think that all of those things combined are what made this a very like special and unique experience. My only qualm with the record is I don't find it to be eminently re-listenable. It's not something it's easy to put on. N95 is a bop. Um, I can listen to that anytime. But a lot of the record is like, it's, 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 it's intense. There's like an intensity to it. It is almost more like, and I think this is what he's moving into, is he is going full fucking musical mode. Like, I would not be surprised if like, uh, what's his company? PG Lang? Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they start moving into like making movies and shit like that because, you know, to quote one of the best lines from the newest season of Atlanta, my life, my life, like a movie, Uzi Jacuzzi, it really is like this, this is like, this is a good album. It's visual considering it's almost all an audio experience except for the videos that have come out for it. And he's talking about shit that's really real and important and, I am just personally exhausted by the fact that people are not given grace anymore. Grace is not, it might as well be taken out of the dictionary. And obviously there's a difference between somebody being an asshole and somebody being ignorant and somebody who just doesn't know and who's trying to understand. And I feel like Kendrick made this album for the people who are, who messed up, who made mistakes and they want to do better. And they're not going to be perfect about it. So this is a great album. I think it's one of my favorite Kendrick albums. And I'm excited to come back to it. And I think I have almost avoided re-listening to it too much because I feel like that each experience is going to be special. So I want it to be, you know, I want it to come about at the right time. And considering I wasn't a huge fan of Damn, which I know is a you know, offense to a lot of Kendrick fans. Like, I think it has good songs on it that I like, but I, I just, I never really like listening to that album anymore. But I love, you know, To Pimp a Butterfly and Good Kid, Mad City. And I think this one is even higher up there for me than Damn. So anyway, that is my number seven choice. I highly recommend it. And it's not for everybody, but I think it should be. So there we go. I think it's a true masterpiece. I didn't. I didn't put it on the list because I don't. I didn't know where to put it, because it functions so 
differently than a normal album of music does, but yeah, I mean, it's top-notch A-plus stuff. What you got, Ian? What's your number seven? And I think you uh, were very well-spoken about it. I agree with everything you said. Well, thank you. Number, what are we on, seven? Yeah, number or, seven for me. Yeah, seven. Uh, we were in New Zealand earlier. Now we're going to Australia, home of Nick Cave. We are world travelers on this podcast. Melbourne, Victoria, Melbourne. Australia, Camp Cope, running with the hurricane. This is a okay, a, a, a trio. This is their third album. This, first of all, the thing that drew me into this album more than anything else is their bass player Kelly Don Helmrich is like the second coming of Peter Hook from Joy Division New Order. She is, I think, the best bass player in indie rock slash punk right now. The bass parts on this album are insane. They are so melodic. They have so much groove. The The songwriting on this album is really great, but I think the, her as a bass player is what really takes this band to another level. And as a bass player myself, I, I love seeing a band that has it this prominent. It reminds me of when I found out when I really got into New Order and falling in love with those bass parts. Um, their first two albums are kind of, you know, they're on run for cover records. I'm sure you might remember them, Jake. You know, they were pretty firmly like, it's a trio of three women, but I would say kind of in that like first Manchester Orchestra album um, type of emo. And this album has some of that. But there's also some folk influences. There's some more like classic pop and rock influences. It really feels like its own own thing. There's still the emo there. It just feels like nothing else. And I fucking listened to this album a lot this year. The title track, Running With The Hurricane, great. Blue, great. Shout out to our dog friend, Blue, who is running the stats right now. Uh, and I, I'm excited to go back backwards in their catalog because I have heard some songs off the first two albums, but I haven't listened to them in full. And uh, Camp Cope is a a new find that I found this year that I really love. Another album on your list that I have not listened to. I'm intrigued. I would say of the four records you've mentioned, I've listened to one all the way through. Chopin Ray. I need to listen to the others. We're all learning here on the Jubilee Street GB's show 2022. We are all learning. And number six, we have the same thing. So Jake, speak on it. Sudan Archives and her album, Natural Brown Prom Queen. What more else is there to say about this record? It is stylistically so well done. It's got all kinds of different styles and genres being played with. And it's also just got some really sexy, passionate, intimate, just downright lovely lyrics going on. It's it's just, it's got everything you want in an album. I... I I liked some other records a little more than this, so it, it it's in my number six, but I don't know. I, I, I'm even starting to rethink that decision as I talk about it. What do you have to say? 
Yeah, I think I'm just excited about finding out about her because I'd never heard of her. And we did the episode on this album, and as I've listened to it since then, I hear I hear the violin more and more, and like the creative way she uses it. And now I'm like, oh, it's like on every song, and it's just like such a joy to listen to these songs over and over again and hear all these layers. And I just love finding an artist who you could tell put everything into it. And you can tell she probably obsessed about these songs for months, if not years, and just unpacking everything. It's just a joy. So, Sudan Archives, uh, otherwise known as Brittany Denise Parks, is an American violinist, singer, and producer, songwriter based in Los Angeles, I believe, over the last year prior to her releasing the record, earlier 22. Um, she had built a studio in her house. That's where she'd been recording this. So I think that sort of intimate quality really shows, like, she was really able to be in control of, like, all the sounds and, you know, the song structures and stuff like that. Um, and she she's self-taught. She learned how to play the violin by ear. She's from Cincinnati. Um, and I think that's one theme that she really nails is like this, like connection to home when you're living in a faraway place, you know, making mundane things seem romantic and beautiful and, and alluring, like a little Caesar's pizza with arugula and red wine. Like it could be the most unromantic thing ever, or you can, you know, pop that bad boy in the oven, throw a little fancy arugula on there, some pickled red onions, and you got a stew going. You know what I'm saying? And you throw on some initial D and just kick back and watch some anime and fuck. It's good stuff. Yeah, great album. We we listened to three or four of these songs like a lot. They were like go-to in the car jamming out songs. What what are your go what are your go-tos? Speak on them. Well, you know, well with Courtney, she she likes, you know, upbeat poppy so it was like the singles it was like homemaker and it was um i don't have the song listings up here the the i just want to have my titties up that's song. yeah yeah um brown 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 there's some great mm -hmm. shit on there my favorites are chevy s10 freak Elizer, and homesick gorgeous and arrogant that one I, I come back to that one a lot and then uh the closer is really good uh number five one three Going back to Cincinnati. I'm going, going back, back to... <laughs> yeah, good shit, man. Good number six. All right, you ready for this yeah. number five? Okay, go ahead, I sorry. I think Sudan Archives is going to be in everyone's lives for a long time, just as collective music fans. So, for my number five spot, I've got a little old band called Sweat. And their album, Gotta Give It Up. Ian shared one of their tracks. Again, this is a tried and true tale in our group chat. Let me scroll down to my notes here. Do, 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 do. Bastard. And it's got this refrain, the world is a bastard. This album is in your face. Their uh, vocalist, Tuna Tarduno or Tardugno. I think it's probably Tarduno. She's fucking amazing. I, I love female-fronted punk bands. I think that they do a good job at making their lyrics, like, easy to remember, catchy, and powerful all at the same time. You know, they're tackling police brutality, typical punk themes, 
And it just makes you want to grit your teeth and jump in the pit and just fucking like sing along to it. Um, the guitar work on this album is like awesome. It's it's just like it's super riffy, and I feel like that's always been my contention with being like a punk ish fan is that the bands that just do the power chord structures, they can do that really well, but like the bands like that just add those guitar solos and like those super just scorching like face-melting riffs along with all that other punk energy, this band fucking put that all in a food processor, chopped it up, threw it in the cast iron and lit the cast iron on fire and hit a cop in the face with it. They fucked it up. Okay, this is an omelet with too many pieces of ham in it, and you're not mad about it. So I cannot recommend this enough. It's definitely something that I came back to time after time. And my favorite song is easily Bone to Pick. So Sweat, got to give it up. Check it out. I think, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong here, they're from the Los Angeles area. I believe so, yeah. I failed to add that to my notes because I'm a dummy. Um, check them out, buy their record, buy some merch from them. They're, they're really great. I'm watching for them to come to San Diego at some point so I can see them if I haven't missed them already. So sweat, got to give it up. It's my number five. Thank you, Ian, for continuing to help me in this world of increasingly more things to listen to. And you're always suggesting things that you think I'd like. Good album to put on and do some aerobics too, right? Oh my gosh. Again, great marketing and album cover around this record. It's like the cover's a... It's their font in yellow, and then it's a picture of somebody wearing like aerobics gear, like sweatbands, shit like that. They got their hair up. It's good shit. Okay, number five for me. Here's where we get into all the albums that like I wish could be number one or two. This is the the most obscure one on my list, and I don't know why because I think it's fucking amazing. Uh, it's an album called King Cobra. By Infinity Knives and Brian Enels, a duo from Baltimore. You got Infinity Knives is the producer, running beats, and Brian Enels is the rapper, vocalist. This is the album I alluded to earlier when I said a sister album to Whatever the Weather. This album is kind Ooh. of goes back and forth between hip hop songs and then ambient slash instrumental beat focused um, tracks so it kind of just ping pongs through the whole album and th this is you know this is as good as hip hop gets to me this album have you heard any of it Jake I have not this album's gonna make you be screaming fuck Ted Cruz forever it's gonna be making you scream libs mad cause we shot Joe Biden it's gonna be having you celebrating the funeral of cops it's going to be having you wearing a bathrobe in Chipotle. <laughs> There's just some ridiculous lines on this album. Brian Enel is like, I hope he wouldn't get offended at this. He reminds me of prime era Kanye West. The bravado, the fun, the, the cleverness. Their voices sound similar. You know, if you're a fan of college dropout, late registration, Kanye, but you also are a left-leaning uh, radical, you will love this shit. And they're a lot I more extreme this than album I am. Now. Like, oh, you have heard it? 
I've I've heard a little bit of it. I I I remember putting it on when it first came out. I think somebody was talking about it. Yep. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Go ahead. Sorry. They're they're a lot more radical than I am. I'm not I'm not promoting killing all cops, but I I love you know the same thing that maybe love left over crack when I was in high school. I love. It's a, it's important to hear other perspectives, and I love hearing. I I get it. Like I. I I get where they're coming from, and I like hearing their viewpoints. And I think this, I mean, I don't know how this album isn't, like, on everyone's list. It's perfect. It fucking rules. So if you haven't heard it, just put on Melancholy Boogie, the the third song. It's a fucking banger. It's got, like, this 80s disco kind of beat. It's so fun. This album's the rules. Played a little snippet there for you. Ian, that's a really cool choice. Yeah, I really think you would love it, Jake. I don't know why I didn't listen to that. I remember queuing it up and everything. I'll add it to my liked albums on the Spotify, and I will definitely get put that on this week. Great choice. Honestly, you sold me on that one. I feel like I'm I'm gonna put that on immediately. Well, I've been trying to get you to listen to it for a few months now. I'm telling you, man, my memory's my memory is not what it used to be. I'm I'm in a weird space. Infinity. Oh, people just don't have time anymore. You got to keep chipping away and chipping away. You're not the only one. It's hard, dude. You kidding me? I'm like I think about it. I'm I like watching TV. I like watching movies. I like listening to music. I like making shit whether it be like my YouTube channel stuff or writing, um, doing the podcast, fucking, you know, playing card games, building decks. Like I have all this shit. It's hard to keep up with it. So it's great when you got a friend or 400 who tell you like, hey, this is a good album. And they may have to tell you a couple of times, but that's why we're here because we're only going to tell you once at the Jubies 2022. So I see we're at a... Interesting crossroads with our number four choices and our number two choices. So I think when you do your number four, I'll cover my number two. Does that sound good? No. No, we'll just, I'll skip, I'll skip and we'll wait till number two. We'll, we'll give it the higher spot. Okay, cool. Um, so for my number four, let me get my notes pulled up here. We're talking about an album called Cherry by... We're going European. We're going European. Uh, this album's called Cherry. It's by an artist named Daphne, otherwise known as Dan Snaith, which might as well be Dan Snare because he'd be drumming it up on this record. Oh, shit. Uh, it's a good one. Um, this is another one like Whatever the Weather. It is, um, it's a dancey, housey, beady, throbbing, fun, ambient, chill, happy record. It's electronic music, and it's kind of all over the place. It has these beats that kind of build on a theme and build on a theme, and then they kind of explode into these beautiful, like, you know, rushes of sound and color. And the again, I talk about this a lot with, like, how I respond to music in the media, but, like, the album cover is really simple, and I, I think it's cute. That's, like, the word I think of it, which isn't – like a, in a condescending way, it's cute. Like the colors have a cuteness to them. It reminds you of the kind of like chibi, like 
manga covers you might see at Barnes and Noble. And then you, you put those headphones on and from the very first song, it's just like earworm after earworm after earworm. There's some songs on this thing that I was singing, just humming to myself around my apartment, specifically Arrow, Falling, which is like the sort of like, you know, intro, like one, two minute track in between um, Art Box and Mania. And then you move into the later stuff like Clavicle, Cloudy, Car Plus. Like, it's just a good record. It's a good dance album. It's a good house record. I don't even really, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm overly qualified to talk about electronic music because I view electronic music as a vibe and a feeling more so than a genre or a thing. So it's hard to throw it in there, but I'd say it kind of falls under like IDM, house, general electronic music, house music, dance music. Check it out. It's really good. There's, I, I, I feel like there was just such a meticulous ear put into this album. Yeah, it's awesome. Check it out. Cherry by Daphne. Also Mark Dan. So you sent this in our group text, a song off of this, I don't know, six months ago. And I ended up listening to the whole album. And I, I'm with you. I don't really feel qualified. This isn't a type of music I really ever listen to. I, I prefer, as far as instrumental music goes, the more whatever the weather type ambient stuff. Fortet. But I, I, had, a, I had a fun time listening to it. I thought it was really good. And you know what I, what I have been getting into this year that I think m- maybe is in a similar vein mm-hmm. is Stereolab. Oh, man. You're getting into Stereolab? I'd like to listen to that me, stuff more. Me and more. Courtney have been listening to them in the car, and it's just fun. Is that the, like, Colonel Mayer ketchup thing? I don't know what you're talking about. They're they're French. Uh, they got a female singer, you know, elect- kind of electronic. Yeah, they, they have, like, some quirky album titles. There's something with, like, Colonel Mayer Ketchup or something. Mm. Um, I haven't heard that one, then. Stereolab's good. And what's interesting is what year did Stereolab put out music? Do you remember, like, what era? I don't know. The one that I've listened to the most, I think, is from, like, 96. So what's interesting still a band today. is there's still a band. The Their album covers and their sound makes me think that they're like a 60s band, and it's really strange. But they're more along the lines of like broadcast, if you're familiar with broadcast. Yeah, they remind... Oh, my God, I can't fuck... There's this um, genre of Japanese pop music that was like around in the 90s and 2000s and had a similar vibe. It sounded like it was from the 60s. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, I think Stereolab falls on that, even though they're not Japanese. Uh, they remind me of that kind of music. A little bit. I think Air's a little bit different, but Air, Moon Safari, I think of similarly in that Stereolab area. But I think they're kind of different, but I lump them in my brain that way for some reason. But that Daphne record was good. I love I love when you send send me a song in there. Send me, send me a song. Send me more songs. Send me a song. Everyone send me more songs. Send us songs. All right. So my, uh, my number four, you have later on the list, so I'm going to skip it. We have a joint number three, so I'm going to go to that. Joint time. And that is... Light up those blunts. That is um, the beginning of the year. We did an episode on this one, and I think the way we spoke of it then, it's no surprise that it's here and that it's this high on the list. This album came out in February. Uh, Black Country, New Road, Ants from Up There. I think... We both probably used the word masterpiece then, and I would still say that now. 
Masterpiece. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. It's pretty damn good. And I am sad that the vocalist on this left the band right after they finished it, or released it, I should say. I think about lyrics from this album all the time. I actually, I never, I'd say this on the podcast a lot, but I never really buy physical music media anymore because I, I don't have room for a record player and I don't care about collecting records anymore. And I bought a CD copy of Ants From Up Here because I wanted to have the lyrics in a book so I could read them. And while this isn't an album that I've come back to a lot, I have come back to it a handful of times, which I think is sufficient for the kind of material that they're outlining here. And the line that I think of all the time is, I, it's something along like, she's got Billie Eilish eyes. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think that that is such a beautiful line. Like the way it sounds, the way he delivers it, like just phonetically, there's something just so sweet and romantic about it. And it's a powerful record. And Isaac's performance here is, 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 is definitely a highlight, but the instrumentation on it is incredible and just as worth talking about. It's really great stuff. Yeah, the, I mean, we could do a whole episode going over our favorite lyrics, and that's probably what we did in February when we did the episode. But I, I think of the, the place where he inserted the blade, oh, the right. line... Uh, anytime I make lunch, the line, anytime I make lunch for anyone else in my head, I'm always dreaming of you or something like that. Mm -hmm. I I really love that line. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. And then the, um, the closer on the record. Yeah. The closer, the best song about jerking off to Charlie XCX you're ever going to hear. Basketball shoes. Excellent close to the record. It gets a little bit post-rocky, but in the best way possible. There's a great buildup, and it they fucking nail it. This is a this is a nail it nailed it moment on Jubilee Street. It is really spectacular what they did here, especially because I think they got a lot of hype on that first record. I remember you were kind of like really hyped about that when it came out, and then I didn't. It didn't let down. It didn't click with me as much as you it didn't click with me either. And then this one came out, and I think we both were like, it was the beginning of the year, so we were looking for like new music to talk about. And I think we both checked this out, and we were like, let's fucking do it. It worked on every level. So I think what had happened was they put out this song called Sunglasses that everyone loved, and I, I think most people were kind of a little let down by the album. Yeah, yeah, that's I, that, that, that sounds right. I mean, you know that story better than me, so I can't speak on it too much, but yeah. Great record. I mean, how was I not going to like an album that had a song called Chaos Space Marine on it, you know? I'm not even a Warhammer guy. I just love the name. of uh, That's just such a good song name. And Just love, just love be- nerds being in bands. G- given that um, the album artwork that's included with the CD that I got has a lot of the, you know, Concord is about a plane, right? So there's like a picture of a plane on the cover, and then they have an alternate cover where there's snow globes, so there is sort of this like feeling of uh, did you ever did you ever watch uh, Neil Brennan's new comedy special or stand up special uh, blocks Did you watch that? No, I have not. So he he has literal blocks that he has set up behind him, and he'll go to them and he'll pick one up and start talking about a topic. And 
knowing conceptually like what that like where that album art fits in with Black Country New Roads ants from up here it's really cool to see that like you can picture Isaac and the other band members like picking things off of a wall at like a an Ollie's or a like something like the Great Escape in Louisville like a like a like a like a store that sells like old used toys that have this like sort of mysticism and importance that carry these ideas and themes from a certain time period and they really kind of harness that idea of like how materialism is important to like how we remember things and something that it got me thinking about is i've been struggling a lot with my long distance relationships and friendships and I feel like I've been in this weird kind of paranoid state where I feel like I don't know how much I'm connecting with people that I used to, to, to know in Louisville, you know? And it's been creating a lot of like sort of pain in my head because I, I tend to think that things are going to always be the same as they were and that's not necessarily what I want, but I worry that that's how it will be. And um, I'm really realizing that the older I've gotten, the more nostalgic I've gotten, which I kind of hate. And I think that's kind of what this album is about is we're nostalgic for those moments where we jerked off to Charlie XCX because there's not really ever going to be quite an experience like that ever again. Or, you know making like chaos space marine into like a love story or something like that. So it's a really special record. It holds a special place in my heart. Um, it's kind of like that Kendrick album in a way it, it's something that I'll put on the shelf and I'll pull out and, you know, like my copy of dark Knight returns or Watchmen or V for vendetta, I'll smile and I'll flip through it and I'll remember those feelings and those feelings will be built upon. It's like a tree. Like you plant that seed and it keeps growing. For me, I listened to this, at least once a month all year, if not more. I'm I'm really excited to see where they go. That so they they have a multi instrument what's the word? Multi instrumentalist? Georgia Ellery, she is in Jockstrap and is the vocalist. Mm-hmm. And that album really grew on me. I didn't get it at all. And I actually listened to it today. It it kept growing on me throughout the year and now I really love it too. So I think they're in good hands if from what I understand, they're going to be splitting vocal duties between her and the bass player, Tyler Hyde. So I think they're in good hands, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next. They're in God's hands now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'll take a moment to address some thoughts I've had about like my relationship with music as I've gotten older. And I guess I just want to say that a lot of the albums that have come out this year are like important albums to me, you know, like, and it's hard to say that because there's so much music that we can connect with. And the reason all of these albums showed up on my list is because I had a strong connection to them in the moments that I was, was, and wasn't listening to them. And I, I'm one of those people who really wishes that I did more of things. Like I'm always kind of like, while I'm playing guitar, I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to work on my camera skills more, or I need to get better at this card game I'm trying to learn, or I need to get better at recording for the podcast. Like I'm never in the moment. 
And these albums were all moments where I like lost track of time, just kind of living inside the sounds and the lyrics and the music. And this album was really good at that. So anyway, Black Country New Road. Ants from up here. Good album. So let's do your number two next, which was my number four. Sheesh. Are we already on? We're already on our top two. Wow. How time flies, Ian. Okay, so Cave World by by Viagra. (laughs) By Viagra Boys. This was a left field. uh, This was a left field fucking record for me. There was a good chance if Ian hadn't have shared a song from this and I just didn't happen to stumble back upon it you know, a couple days after. I don't know if I ever would have, like, checked this album out. But, oh, my God, I'm glad I did. Cave World is just one of the most fun, awesome, raucous, like, punk rock records that I've heard in such a long time. And I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, it, so I we, we did it for the podcast. We covered the album, and I loved it. And then it was seeing them live a few months later after that and seeing how like the crowd connected with these songs. And I was like, oh, these are like classic punk songs, at least in that room that night. They were mm-hmm. to that those people. And it made me appreciate it even more and, you know, put it into the top five for both of us. Yeah, this is my favorite punk album of the year. That's right. He's a big boy. And <laughs> that's my favorite uh, three seconds of music this year. Shout out to Jason Williamson from Sleaford Mods. He has the best moment on that album, <laughs> easily. Um, St- steals the album. Check out Viagra Boys in general, but to me, I feel like if you like the Gorillas or Iggy Pop, this is like a fuck it. You're a mark for this shit, like and Troglodyte, Return to Monkey. Um, Attention deficit disorder, cognitive some, trade-off hy- hypotheosis, or whatever it's called, hypo, hypo some hypiosis. Great, some great songs. Yeah, it's awesome, and I just can't recommend it enough. I, 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 we said a lot of good stuff about it. It's just, it's just fun. It's like, it was like the perfect 2022 album because it took, it's, it, it was essentially like if, if anyone listening is familiar with, I know, I know you are Ian, but. Like Vic Berger the Fourth, he's on uh, the Office Hours podcast. He's like associated with like Tim Heidecker and stuff. When he was doing those Trump mashup videos, where he would like do edits of like the weird shit Trump would say, I feel like Viagra Boys are like the musical equivalent of like what happens when you take your conspiracy theorist MAGA uncle and you give him a guitar and a copy of the Communist Manifesto and you just let him write music. It's just so funny like but also relatively like socially aware and it's so i i love when things mock in punk music like i i think that mocking things is like it's like the only way really you can deal with like some painful the painful like other side of like what those conspiracy theorists maggot people were actually saying and doing and there's a catharsis in what viagra boys have done here that I feel like people have touched on, but I think that's why people received it the way that they did, especially knowing about your experience seeing them live. Like this is a way to like make fun of those jackasses who are spreading like hate speech and like not listening to truth or like 
choosing to be ignorant, you know? And they're getting kicked out of the tree. This album reminds me of something. This might be a Julie Cameron thing. It's it's said in a lot of those, like, you know, how to be an artist type books, which I think a lot of them are mostly bullshit, but there's a point that gets brought up a lot in that kind of material where they tell you you have to be able to enter a state of play is usually how it's referred to. Mm -hmm, Like, you mm -hmm. have to allow yourself to be silly to unlock, like, your full potential. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think all of my top five from Infinity Knives up to number one all kind of have that spirit. But this album, it's stupid. Like, a lot of it is just stupid. But oh, they, they allowed them... I got the creepy crawlies allowed, in the vaccine! They allowed themselves to be that open and that silly, and they stumbled upon something great because they, they didn't filter themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and it feels like that. That's something we can all... We can all take that lesson in, in our daily lives of like letting yourselves be that silly and and open. So that is our glowing recommendation to support Cave World by Viagra Boys, another great album cover. We like to throw the word iconic around a lot, but I think this is the one of the most important punk albums that's come out in the 2020s. So this will definitely be showing up on some lists once 2031 rolls around. It's, I think it is that important and, and fun and eminently re-listenable. The only reason I haven't listened to it much in the last couple months is because I listened to it constantly for like two or three months in the summer right after we reviewed it. Yeah, heavy rotation for both of us. All right, here we are. We're at our number one. You want to go first? You want me nope, to? F- I got my number two. Oh, 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 that's right. Number two is my number one favorite hip-hop album of the year. Released on my birthday. Happy birthday. The Forever Story by Jid. Speak on it, dude. I was surprised to see this. I I did not I listened to this a little bit and it didn't it didn't grab me enough to come back to it. Jid's a rapper that I, I followed for a while, but I felt like he never reached his full potential. I always thought he sounded a lot like Kendrick, but didn't reach the heights of Kendrick. This album, I think he did. And he sounds less like Kendrick than ever. I think he, he found his own lane. Mm-hmm. He does a variety of voices like Kendrick does, but I feel like he really came into his own on this album. And it reminds me a lot of, of a Kendrick album in that it has like it has Dance Now and Radar and Brudenim. It has like these bangers. And then it has Can't Make You Change and Better Days, these like emotional, personal songs. It has uh, a song like Stars featuring Mos Def, which is like a classic. You got a Mos Def feature on there? Yeah. And Just In Time featuring Lil Wayne, which is the best Lil Wayne feature, I guess, since last year, Tyler Crater got him to do a really good one. But these like pure you know, rap nerd, impressive lyrical songs. It, it's got like a little bit of, of everything. And I think this is just a hip hop masterpiece. I think it's got everything you want in a hip hop album. And I'm so blown away because I, I've listened to Jid for a while and it's really cool to see someone like be as good as you know they always could have been and to like get there. Yeah, I got to imagine that's gratifying as a longtime fan. 
I wouldn't even say I was a longtime fan. I just like knew him, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even have called myself a fan, but like I, I was aware of him. And then to see him like do something like this, I was like, oh, this is so cool because he's been around for like what at least ten years, maybe longer. I'll tell you what, listeners, I got I got some homework to do after this episode. After the GBs, we're not going drinking. I'm I'm going to put my headphones on, listen to some of these albums that I missed out on. Yeah, this one I, I, I'm really shocked it didn't light up the hip hop world more. Like it didn't seem like this was like the consensus hip hop album of the year, but I don't know why not. Yeah, uh, I think you and Fantano had this on both. I think he had it in like a number two spot too, or maybe like top ten. Oh, that's good to hear because mm-hmm. I, I didn't see this on. I, w- I was looking at different like albums of the year list, and I didn't see this album as much as I would have liked. But that's cool that Fantano liked it that much. I think he falls more into our what we what we like to listen to as opposed to like. I think there's like a there's definitely a strong pull that Pitchfork has and like the Quietus, and I think we pull from a lot of different lists, and you know, we're we're checking a lot of different sites where we're not just going for like what's coming out from. Condé Nast and all that, that media stream, you know what I'm saying? Well, I just mean like mainstream hip, like Rolling Stone album of the year or Stereo Gum, like... Brooklyn Vegan. I, I mean, I wouldn't say they're mainstream, but sure. Like, I mean like the bit, like Spin Magazine. Like, I feel like this wasn't... Um, I think Jid is probably on that level, and I don't think this was considered one of the best mainstream hip-hop albums of the year, but... I think it absolutely is. And the features, like I said, Lil Wayne and Mos Def, Ari Lennox, Ooh. Uh, 21 Savage, oh. Earth Gang, who oh. has worked with Jid a lot. Shit. Kenny Mason, who's also worked with Jid a lot. Wow. Bad Bad Not Good does at least one beat, if not two. It, it's just Thundercats on here. You know, it's it just got, you know, a who's who of, of hip hop. I mean, I'm fucking sold. I I was I'm surprised now hearing you talk about it, having you know you know I I haven't seen it anywhere. Shout out to a person on our Slack channel with the eleven o'clock comics, Caleb Alexander McKenzie. He posted about this a lot back when it came out. Yeah, a lot of people, him, uh, Jason Wood, Ray, they were all really into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Jason Wood, like he likes Justin Bieber, so how much can you trust his opinion on things? You know. Just kidding, Jason. You're never going to listen to this. But yeah, but yeah, great album. And also, shout out, this album make, reminds me of, because of those people on the Slack, the Smino album this year was also really good, but not on this level. I know you talked about that. That's another one I should check out. Um, okay, so that was your number two. We're on our number one. This is the fucking moment. Are you ready? This is for all the Marvels. This is for all the for Marvels. All the for all the Marvel Cinematic Universes. Wait, what was, what was Blue... The Intern Dogs album of the year before we get to ours. Pet Sounds. She forgot what year it was. Pet Sounds. Only off by like 55 years, 60 years. Yeah. She, you know, she, she, she just wanted to say that she liked Organs a lot by Ian McCurtis. Oh, thank you, Blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I snuck a lot of those like um, frequencies that only dogs could hear. Yeah. So that dogs would enjoy it. Yeah. She, she, she really appreciated that. You know, you're being um, dog inclusive with your soundscapes. I try, yeah, I try to like, I don't, I, I want, mul- you know, multi species music that mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All kinds of species of animal and plants can enjoy. Well, you all, you heard it here first. This is uh, Ian's making a a sequel to Plantasia by Mort Garson. Have you ever heard of that album? It's an ambient album from the seventies that someone made with yeah. the idea that it would make plants grow. Yeah, that's literally the album I referenced, Plantasia by Mort Garson. Oh, that's what it's called. as Plantasia. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was called. Yeah, I, I love that um, story. For you and anyone listening. Check out Mort Garson's other material. He is a phenomenal musician. Plantage is awesome, but he is there a thirty-three and a third book about that? If not, I probably would be. I would be surprised if there wasn't. So before I get into my number one, I just want to say to you, Ian, that I've been eternally grateful to have another year around. The Sun, talking to you about music, pop culture. I think we even got to cover our favorite character, Batman, at some point. It's been a great year. This is kind of our New Year's slash Christmas show. So all those like Christmas holiday feelings are hitting, you know, and all the presents have been opened after um, Christmas and we're moving into the new year and it's going to be 2023 before we know it. And it's just been so great. Um, Ian shared the stats that we had from... Uh, the amount of listeners we got. And I just want to say to everyone out there who's listened to us, shared us, talked about us, you know, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Like, I think I speak for Ian here. Like, we really appreciate it. And we have, you know, always find a way to have a good time on every episode, even if we're not, like, even if we had to watch Blonde and we didn't love the movie. Which the juvie for for worst uh, research we had to do of the year goes to watching Blonde, and um, even that was one of my favorite episodes we did because I love talking about movies. And anyway, so I just want to extend our thanks. I wish we had more we could give you, but we're just giving you our time and energy. And thank you, Ian. He, he does a lot of the editing. You know, this was a big year. We finally got our own theme song. Shout out. So it was a great year. It was a great year for the podcast. We covered a lot of great stuff, and I think next year will be even better. So I just wanted to thank you, Ian, for all the hard work and time that you put into this and our listeners for sticking with us. Oh, and thank you. And Blue the Intern Dog and Buffy the HR Dog, obviously. like We would be nothing without you two. Favorite research that I did for the pod this year was that Velvet Queen documentary. What a treat. Oh, my gosh. Blown away. Great. Great episode, great movie documentary. I, I had I had little to no expectations, and my man blew me away. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, okay, so without further ado, my number one choice is going to be none other than Diaspora Problems by Soglo. Soglo. They are a band from Pennsylvania. What is congratulations, Soglo? What is this? What is the city? They're from. They're from. They're from Philly, right? They're from Philly. Okay. Yeah, they're from Philly. All right, just making sure because I know that you've played shows with them before, so I want to make sure, you know, I, I put the correct credit on their name. I don't want to be speaking out of turn. We had a great time covering this album earlier this year. This was an easy number one for me. Who gonna beat my ass? Is a fucking barn burner, face melter, heart churner, like. Get off your feet and fucking mosh headbang intro. Like from the very moment to the very end of this record, their vocalist Pierce 
and all the other members of the band who performed on this, especially the drummer, Jesus Christ, I got to shout his name out. The drummer, I think, is so good on this. TJ Stevenson, uh, Gigi is the one who did bass, vocals, and programming. whole bunch of people on the, on the technical side and the um, features. You got people playing trombone on spiritual level of gang shit. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear me go in depth about why this album is so good, listen to the episode that we did about it. I will just say that I don't know how the hell they fit so many words into one song and make yeah. you feel like Facts. you just feel this seething hatred that this guy has for the state of the world, for white liberals, for, you know, all the bullshit and violence that's going on. And he is so good at creating these places where you can... This, this is my jaw after, after hearing him rap so fast. <laughs> uh, jaw dropping. Uh, Ian's showing me the cover of the book I got him for Christmas. Um, yeah, I mean, without meandering too long, you know, I... The, it, this is an emotional record. It's a fantastic album. It is kind of making fun of people like us. But I think on the other hand, it's like not, and it's like supportive of that. And I think like it really holds a mirror up to its listener and it it causes you to do a lot of soul searching. But at the same time, you got like, like I said, the intro, Gold Chain Punk, like you've got Jumper Get Jumped, uh, Dripponomics. These songs are so fun and uproarious and like just jubilant at moments, like where you just can't help but like dance and get into it. And I mean, Pierce just the places he takes his vocals is just it's just incredible. There's not really any lulls on this album. Um, and it kind of, in my opinion, culminates in what is one of the most brutal searing like I've said scorching so much but like when they get to that song John Jay and they've got um the the uh, the female features coming in that part like where they say tears of the ghetto it just gets me like it, I just feel those tingles go all over my body like they manage to capture that scrams energy but make it pretty and they're fucking with you you know the the album starts with a you know, a gurgle of a, of a bong rip. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's tongue in cheek at the same time. You know, it's like they reference, they reference all kinds of, you know, they reference the Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor stuff. Like, um, who's the guy that he killed like five or six police officer, Chris Dorner. Is that his name? Chris Horner. Mm. They reference that guy. There's so much in this. There's so much to like, I'm still hearing things new for the first time and I've heard the record probably a dozen times and yeah it's a fucking classic this is an important another we got two important punk albums in one year for very different reasons and I'll also say that it's cool that I got to hang out with some of these guys when I played a show with them back in like 2014 2015 and I remember him being really nice. And unfortunately, I was partying a lot back then, so I don't have much memory of it. 
but I'm glad that they're being that they're getting some success and I'm hoping that I can snag some tickets last minute to, to see them because they're going to be playing at the observatory here next month. I mentioned earlier Brooklyn Vegan had that <laughs> top 50 punk albums of the year list and I planned on listening to all of them over a couple of weeks and I ended up just listening to like a song from each of them because I didn't like hardly any of it. And I was like, I don't know, maybe the shape of punk might not be in the best place. We don't have a lot of punk albums on either of our lists. But Soul Glow being their number one on their list and on your list made me feel better. I was like, at least we have Soul Glow. Yeah, and and one other thing I'll add is that there's like a pettiness to this album. Like, you can tell that there is some, some like stuff being said that he knows is going to like stir some shit up. And I think that just adds to the spit-in-your-face quality that this has, you know? It's great. I, I can't say enough good things about it. I, I, I want people to support them and listen to them because they're one of a kind. And I honestly, I, I don't know where they go from here. Like, I don't know what they do next. Like, it's going to be really exciting to see where they go because this was such a unique record. The stirring stuff up is the thing I love about it the most. And it's the thing that is, I'm going to sound like an old man saying this, but it's the thing that is lost on punk rock. Like, to me, the point of the genre is to, like, be totally unfiltered and unedited and say whatever you want and without caring if it offends anyone. And I feel like that spirit is gone. And I love that Soul Glow has that. They don't care if someone gets mad hearing their music. And I wish I would love more of that energy. What you said? Say what you mean. Good shit, man. Good shit. I want to hear your number one. What's your number one, Ian? So also... So when when we did this episode, I knew it was going to be your album of the year. I could just tell. This was back in March or whatever. And you probably thought the same thing with mine. This came out in February. And I knew it was the album of the year, barring something ridiculous. And that is Big Thief, Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. Adrian Linker has now won two of the three Juby of the Years from me. I think she is the best songwriter in the world right now. I think she's on her fucking Neil Young, Paul McCartney shit. Like, she is writing classics left and right. And this album, they brought a playfulness. They brought some, like, John Prine energy, some silliness. They brought some new wave energy on, like, Wake Me Up to Drive. They they, they just genre hop like never before and... I think her songwriting really lends itself to all these different styles and shows you the future of Big Thief, that they could be a band for like 30 years and always find new stuff to do. This is a long album. It's like 20 20 songs. Yeah, 20 songs exactly, an hour and 20 minutes. But all the songs are so different. It it doesn't bother me. I, I love listening to it. And there's, you know, a song like Promise is a Pendulum can just make me cry but then you also have songs like spud infinity they're just hilarious and silly and mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful album and i feel i just love that what big thief and andrea and Linker are doing right now and getting to witness it all timer there's a special quality to that band um I don't know if I connect with it on the same level that you do. And 
that's probably why I don't think it, it, it didn't even make my honorable mentions. And that's not because I didn't think it was a good album. I just don't know if that, if it speaks to me, you know, like, I don't know if, if that's like what I wanted in the moment. Cause I remember mm -hmm. covering it. I wasn't incredibly impacted by it. Like I definitely really liked it. And I remember kind of carrying into it that same high I had from black country, new roads, new record. And I remember there were songs that I really liked, but I remember feeling like it was too long for me. And maybe that's why I never ended up going back to it because I didn't want to listen to that. It is a long album. But, I mean, you're a mark for that stuff, so I wasn't surprised when I saw that at the top of your list, like you love Adrian Linker. And for good reason. Yeah, Big Thief is is probably my favorite band right now. I I, I mean, without a doubt, my favorite band right now. Look at the, look at the Jubies. Um, have you made your dad any CDs with them on it? I don't know if he has a CD player, but I, I have not. I've, I've told him about Big Thief. He's definitely heard a song or two. He doesn't really listen to new music like he used to. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. He doesn't really seek it out like, like he used to. But I, I think, I mean, I don't know if he would like it. I hear so much Neil Young in their music, and he's, he doesn't like Neil Young, so I don't, I don't know. It just I, I I don't know why that I it thought it came to me to ask you that because um, I know you share like a lot of your favorite stuff with him so just curious just random question yeah I mean I bet on our Juby list like I don't know if he's heard any of these albums well probably not I think he listens to the podcast from time to time doesn't he mm -hmm. so he'll maybe he'll so he's heard about them maybe he'll hear it and he'll be like oh maybe I'll check out one of these albums you know what I'm saying shout out you Joe and. I put you on the spot last night. I asked you about a song of the year. I don't know if you had time to think of one, but I, I have a song that I want to shout out that wasn't on any of these albums. I did have time to think of one, and you did put me on the spot, but I liked where the spirit of your question came from, so I wasn't mad. So, so okay, so I asked Jake if he would like to do a song of the year award, just because I thought that'd be fun. We didn't do that the first two years. I should I should have done this with more notice. We had, like, 24 hours. But there's a, a song that means a lot to me on an album that I liked, but I didn't, you know, it didn't make my list. It didn't make uh, honorable mentions or anything. And that is, for me, the song of the year, American Teenager by Ethel Kane. Have you heard that's the song? I think this is the one Travis shared that made him tear up, right? Uh, no, he he, saw, he, sh he shared a the, house in Nebraska. The, the artist, I mean. Like the artist? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the, yeah, Preacher's Daughter. I'm familiar. That made a couple of end-of-year lists, I'm pretty sure. So I sent you a song by her earlier this year on a previous release that samples Title Fight. Yep. And Yep, I remember that. This song, I think it's so special because it makes me think a lot of Bruce Springsteen and what he did in the 70s. He grew up listening to Chuck Berry and this, like, 50s rock and roll, Little Richard. Yeah. And he sort of... Uh, recontextualize that for a new generation of people who grew up listening to that and like spoke to their childhoods and made something new from it. And it was nostalgic and new at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I hear in this song, American Teenager, I hear so much of that Bruce Springsteen energy, but she is speaking to a generation that grew up listening to Amer the single artwork is a play on American football. They grew up <laughs> listening to title fight and American football and Midwest emo, yeah, and the guitar tones are straight out of a title fight song, 
But this sounds like a Bruce Springsteen song. It's like a classic pop anthem. Uh, but you, you can hear all these influences of modern music. Mm-hmm. And it's so special. It, it's, a, it's a song about, you know, a tale as old as time, at least as old as America, of, of growing up feeling like you're supposed to be living this American high school existence like you see on TV where it's supposed to be the best years of your life. And you're not happy, and you feel like you should be because everyone's supposed to be happy in high school. And, you know, you see kids around you go off to join the army and get fucked up and die or have mental problems, and people are doing drugs. And this sort of dichotomy of the America that you see exist in media and the America that exists on your street. And that's just, that kind of song's always going to work. And it's just a great anthem for this generation of teenagers. I think it's a really special song. Damn, Ian. Over here selling me on new stuff to listen to. Or stuff that I slept on, I should say. It's just a, be- it's just a beautiful, beautiful, great song. Uh, and, and the whole album's good, but this is definitely, like, for me, this, the standout. Heads and shoulders with the rest. Awesome. Cool. That's exciting. Um, and it just feels timeless. Like, if you listen to it, you'll just be like, oh, yeah, this is like a timeless song that people will be listening to for years. Dude, hell yeah. I'm excited to hear that because it just kind of hit. It, it clicked with me while you're talking about it. It's like, oh, shit. Like, we were like that, like, twangy emo punk music is like what Bruce Springsteen was for a certain generation. You know what I mean? Like Warp Tour is well, like a well, he was thing he was like he was taking Chuck Berry and making his own thing, and she's taking Title Fight and American Football and making her own thing. Yeah, it's just cool. I I love that. Um, I don't know if you came up with that description or not, but the way you said it was just really cool. I think I did. I hope I did. I'm sorry to anyone that I stole it from. No, no, no I it, I, I didn't sound like you stole it. I just I it was really no. You'll you'll hear because when you listen to it, you'll be like, oh, this does sound like Bruce Springsteen, but it also has a Title Fight guitar tone. It's pretty crazy. So to kind of play with the, the category, because it was kind of spurned on me, um, I wanted to go with uh, this song. And I, let me know if you can hear this or not. I can't. Put it right up on the mic. Touch the mic with the speaker. Well, you'll hear it when you hear the recording. It's Seduce and Scheme from... Oh, from Rap, rap Shit? Rap Shit. <laughs> oh, now, talk about a song I listened to a lot this year. I found it on Spotify. I, yeah, I so... I the car a lot. Um, I... I'm gonna spin that green Seduce and Scheme. I'm almost finished with the first season that came out this year. For those who don't know, Rap Shit's a show on HBO you Max. Got back on it. Produced by oh, Issa Rae. Um, I love it. It's about these two. It's about our main character. She's kind of a, uh, you know, a old head, like hip-hop fan. You know, she's got Mary J. Blige and Trap Called Quest posters. She's trying to be like a, a socially conscious rapper. And then she ends up hooking up with a, a, a high school friend named Mia, who's a mom now, and... Um, does like OnlyFans and shit. Like the Megan the Stallion school. And they team up and they start making music together. And the music sequences of the show are so fun. So that that's kind of like my first choice. And I'm doing a little cheat here 
because it was last minute. And so I wanted to pick something that was from, you know, wasn't as much recency bias. So my other half of my choice is an FKA Twig song. What song do you think it is? Hmm. On Capri songs. Um, Tears in the Club? Because I know you love The Weeknd. That would be a good guess. But the standout track is Oh My Love by FKA Twigs. Everybody oh, yeah. knows that you want your love. Why are you playing, baby boy? What's up? Baby that song boy, goes hard up? as fuck. It's a great song. Yeah, it reminds me of a classic MIA before she went crazy. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that, but um, I wanted FKA to get on my list. I have a lot of respect for her. I think she's an amazing artist. I love that mixtape. And I think I that, that that, like, I cannot wait to see what else she does. I'm, like, praying that she releases a song featuring Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. I feel like that they are now in a in a we are now in a reality in a timeline where that could absolutely happen if not like an entire record. And mm-hmm. I just hope it happens. I think she's really great. I think her music is great and you know Warren Ellis showed up on her newest album, so I thought that was cool. So yeah, so seducing and scheme. I said it before and I'll say it again, the most beautiful woman in music right now. Yes. The most beautiful woman in general. Um, the the dance video, the like choreograph she did for um, the X Ray Spec song, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so check out "Oh My Love" by FKA Twigs, and then also check out the show Rap Shit on HBO Max, the song "Seduce and Scheme" by Shauna and Mia. You can find it on Spotify. And similar to what you were saying about Kendrick, I'm. I'm kind of here for whatever FK Twigs wants to do. Like, I could see her going into music. I mean, going into movies, going into TV. I could see her writing a book, keep doing music. Like, I'm here for whatever she wants to do. She, I feel like she can and probably will do everything over her career. You know what she's probably doing right now? What? Seducing and scheming. Seducing and scheming. I love that you picked that. What a great <laughs> song. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. And... uh I'm going to throw in another little bonus category here. Okay. I'm going to talk about my, my favorite movie. Worst song of the year. My favorite movie my of favorite movie. Uh, 2022. Uh, okay. I'll have a top five video coming out on my YouTube channel. Check out Curtis Reviews on YouTube. Uh, my top five movies, but I'll give you my first one. The other four, you're going to have to be left in the dark. And we're talking Nope by Jordan Peele. Directed by Jordan Peele. Starring Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Brandon Perea. An amazing UFO movie that's part adventure movie, part thriller, all balls to the wall. Check it out. It's awesome. I love it. It's frightening and terrifying in ways that I've never seen a movie be. It's also incredibly beautiful and moving and funny. And just, I love Jordan Peele. So that's my bonus category. Check out Nope if you haven't yet. And if you haven't, what's it called? What's wrong with you? It's called Nope. Never heard of it. (sighs) Very funny, Ian. Was this a popular movie? I was worried if I didn't pick Multiverse of Madness, you wouldn't know what I was talking about, and my fears were founded. Well, let's see. My favorite movie of the year... Let's see, I'm looking at Letterboxd. I probably saw about 20 movies that came out this year. I'm going to... So there's two song, There's two movies that I think are like 10 out of 10 all-timers. That's Del Toro's Pinocchio, which I would say is number two. My number one movie of the year, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Love that movie. Low, worst movie of the year I saw? Um, 
Blonde, yeah. I thought you were going to say Wakanda Forever. Without a doubt. Well, Ian, I think that wraps up the inaugural Juby Awards. Well, it's not the inaugural. It's the third, but yeah. What's the difference? What's inaugural mean? Inaugural means first. Oh, okay. So this wraps up You're thinking the of annual. annual Juby Awards. Ian's college educated now, so he corrects me on my word usage. I'm just saying it wasn't the inaugural edition. That would have been 2020. Sorry, I'm not the New York the Times. Jubies. Not the Atlantic. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not Spin Magazine. I don't know if that's in the same glass, but okay. Anything else? I mean, they're you know they're pulling out the cane to pull us off stage. What what else do we have? Do we have anything else we want to say to the audience? We already said our thank yous, our top tens, our our number one song of all time, Courtney's album of the year, Planes and Trains and Automobiles. Uh, Buffy the HR's dog's favorite album of the year was Lizzo because she's all about female empowerment. So great choice, Buffy. I love some. I love me some Lizzo. I have a call to arms, so to speak. If you've made it this long into call this action. episode. 108 minutes there it ran about. Thank you for listening again from the bottom of our hearts. I would like to give you the opportunity to help us pick the next Nick Cave song that we'll cover on the podcast in a future episode. Now, how will you do this? Well, you can go to our Discord channel. So you go to our Instagram you go to our link, click through that. The Discord channel link should be there. If you don't have Discord, it'll help you download it. Use that invite code that we give you in our link. Go there, start your Discord, and then leave what Nick Cave song you would like us to cover. If we get five people to write in, depending on what songs you submit, we will choose one from that list and shout out your name from the Discord. But if we don't get enough engagement, this won't happen. So please join the Discord. We really want to get it going. So that's some incentive. We'll talk about a song you want. If you send red hand files, we will not accept that. So make sure you don't send red hand files or else it'll be go, going to mute ears. Deaf ears. Do you, do you perhaps mean red right hand? <coughs> what did I say? Red hand files. Yeah, red right hand. Sorry. <laughs> do not send red We will never red cover right red right hand. We would die before we cover red right hand. That, is, that will be the end of the podcast. That'll be our last episode. It was, it was written in the stars. The prophecy says that will be the last episode. And if you're starting to wonder, wow, I didn't hear enough Nick Cave talk on this episode. Well, you're in luck because I am certain we will have some excellent Nick Cave content coming down the pipeline very soon. He didn't put anything out this year, but I will go on record and say Seven Psalms. that there, there will be a new Bad Seeds record next year. Oh, you got the inside scoop? Yeah. All right. That's good to know. Well, everybody. Grinderman. Grinderman three is twenty twenty five. Also, we all know it's if it's if it's not called Grinderman sixty nine, we're gonna revolt. Grinderman three sixty nine, or Grinderman four twenty. Grinderman, or they could be like a double album. Yeah, four twenty sixty nine. Grinderman three, the album. Um, by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Well, guys, girls, people, folks, what if the new Bad Seeds album is Grinderman sixty nine by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds? I hope that they embrace the silliness of that. That would be awesome. That would be like the Postal Service by Death Cab Cootie. They, they, what if they call you up and they're like, hey, are you the guy in the hazmat suit from the Idiot Prayer cover? And they, they're like, we need you in the band. Oh, I mean, I would... Yeah. I, 
instantly drop everything. Yeah. We can do the podcast on the road. I'll bring you along is my valet. Yeah. Now, would you drop everything if you were on the Empire State Building holding Buffy? No. Okay. I would good. set her down and then Well, I then you're not her. really going to drop everything. So you hear that, Nick and Warren? But yeah, that's a quit your job, sell your house kind of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ian, anything else you got for the listeners? No, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for another year. I can't wait to see what 2023. Oh, I, I will do this. I want both of us, me being Ian McCurtis, you being Jay Curtis, to predict, and I'm going to write this down now, predict what you think will win your Juby of the year for 2023. We should have done this every year. <laughs> How can I even predict that? I don't know what's going to come out next year. I mean, that's why it's hard. You're just, you know... Picking a random of someone you think is going to put out an album next year that you really like that will be great. I mean, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to get it right. It's just for fun. No, I like that question. I like the spirit of it. <laughs> That's a fun question. It's uh, a question because you have to think of who could put out an album and also who's like on the up and up that you know is really going to take a step up and really blow you away. I mean, I would love to see the Bad Seeds get a number one spot because I don't think in the years we've been doing the podcast, they've been on our top 10 at all. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, based on what's come out this year, fuck, it's hard to, it's hard to choose. What are you going to choose? I think, so I'm going to pick someone who's never made a full album that I loved but who I think has the potential to and could really pull what Soul Glow did this year and really like combine hip hop with a, a, a punk energy and really make their like career defining work. And I'm going to predict my album of the year next year is going to be JPEG Mafia. That's a good choice. I think I'm going to say my album of the year next year is going to be Z Loopers. Z Loopers. Because I really enjoyed his album he dropped in 2021. And I didn't hear it until like right after we and recorded the Jubies. And he put one out in 2022 as well. And it's it, uh, the 2021 one was called Van Gogh's Left Ear. And I was super into that record for, for like a lot of 2022. And um, yeah, and 2021. And I just dug it. So check it out. I'm changing my pick. It's actually, this is who, if I got to redo the last year Jubies, who I'd give number one to? Ben Gibbard. No, Magdalena Bay. Oh. I think they're going to put another album next year. Yeah. And I think that's going to win number one. JPEG Mafia I, is a good choice, though. That Magdalena Bay album is something else. That L I can't wait to that see that. LP else. exclamation point record he put out grew on me a lot after I came back to it. I just never... Uh, he is, he is yet to make a full album that I think is great. But I think he's great. Yeah, yeah. I think the closest he got was um, All My Heroes Are Cornballs. All My Heroes Are Cornballs. Yeah. That was the closest he got. I love that album, but there are moments that I don't love. Uh, skips. There are definitely some song skippers on there. But yeah, I like that question. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the third. We love you all so much. Jubies, the inaugural third Jubies. And we'll see you here either next year. Or we will see you like in a week. Hopefully, like in a week. It'll be next so, year. So, good night, everyone. Uh, don't the, hesitate to the new year get an Uber if you drink too much at the ceremony. 
Buffy will be providing a shuttle service. Uh, just don't don't drive if you've been drinking. Because you and, might spill your drink. <laughs> and goodbye. Love you all. Thank you for supporting us. We'll see you next time. Jubilee, a music podcast.